Now, it gives me great delight tonight to be able to welcome you here to really the first of our uh, family nights. Family nights were suspended because of COVID, and um, I'm so glad that you've been able to return, and uh, we're thankful to the Lord uh, for that. We especially, on your behalf, want to welcome here the Hill family with us, who have come all the way from Tandragee, and especially our sister Amy. And we're going to invite her in a few minutes. She's going to come and minister in song. And then uh, she's also going to come and share a word of personal uh, testimony. Uh, but we do want to say welcome to all who have just returned, maybe for the first time uh, since uh, two years ago. See, the last family night that we had was really the um, 15th of March in 2020. It was just before, uh, I think, Mother's Day. Uh, and then the church, uh, sadly, it was closed. But uh, it's uh, open now. And we're thankful to God for your support, for all who are online this evening. And we look to the Lord for his help and his blessing at this time. So you who are visiting with us, it's great to see you. And remember tonight, we have some tea. Afterwards, we'll go into the minor hall and we'll fellowship together. And I just want to say, if you want to keep wearing your mask going in, that's fine. If you, there's some social distancing seats here, if you want to maintain that, that's uh, fine as well. There's hand sanitizer still out in the porch if you want to use it uh, as the Lord leads. We, we want to keep everybody safe. We want everybody to feel comfortable as they come in uh, to the house of God. We're delighted, as I've said, to have Amy, and we're going to ask her to come now, and she's going to come and minister to us in song, and then share a wee word of testimony. Thank you. was great 
I'd just really like to thank you all for inviting me here tonight and it's the first time I've actually been here before um, hopefully it'll not be the last time either um, so just to start my testimony um, I'd like to read a verse and it's found in 2 Corinthians in chapter 4 and verse 5 and it says for we preach not ourselves but Christ Jesus the Lord and based on this verse my testimony tonight will hopefully not focus on myself, um, but I'll be able to explain a little of what Christ has done in my life. Many of you tonight will not know me, uh, but as already been said, my name is Amy Hill, and I'm grateful that as a child, I was brought up in a Christian home where my parents faithfully attended Tandragee Free Presbyterian Church, which meant that I also faithfully attended. Because of my upbringing, from a very young age, I was very aware of my sin and my need of salvation. And at the young age of three years old, my granny and I knelt down by the sofa and I prayed for the Lord to come into my life and take away my sins. And even from this young age, I knew that I was a sinner and I knew that Christ had died for me and that I wanted to be with him in heaven. 
This is my very first memory as I was so young, but I remember it clearly and I remember the joy that I had and the desire that I had and want to tell other people. Growing up primary school, as many other Christians would testify, it was easy to be a Christian. I was fortunate to be in a primary school where a lot of other students were Christians and it meant that I was not so different and I didn't really stand out from the crowd. And as a child, I would have openly spoken about my faith. However, moving into secondary school proved a challenge. And in the beginning, I was not so different, but as school progressed, it became very clear that I did not speak the same way that other people my age spoke. I didn't do the same things that other people my age did or go to some of the places that my friends went. And I began to seem very different from my peers. And as we got older, I began to feel excluded and felt I was missing out. At this stage, I had already started dating my now fiancé, Josh, who had a very similar background to myself, and he had grown up in Tangigee Free Presbyterian Church. As a young Christian, I always knew the type of partner that I wanted, and I knew that I wanted them too to have a personal faith with Christ. And as Josh and I grew up, we had the same friends at Youth Fellowship, uh, but as we got older, we started getting closer and eventually he asked me out. Knowing that Josh came from the background he did and knowing that he would support me in my faith was incredibly important to me and I'm very thankful that God has blessed me and our relationship. Throughout school, I had always dreamt of becoming a doctor and I had worked incredibly hard to achieve the grades that I needed to get into medicine. However, the more I aimed for medicine and the more time I dedicated to revision, the less time I seemed to dedicate to God. And quickly as I got into the more serious stages of school, my focus shifted as I strived for my own ambition, seeking little help from God and failing in my devotions and my prayers. Very quickly it became clear as I no longer sought for God's protection and wisdom that sin and temptation entered into my life. The things which I had so often rejected had now become appealing and I found myself going to places and acting a way that that little three-year-old would have been devastated by. I found myself surrounded by other Christians who saw no harm in the lifestyle that we were leading and therefore I justified my actions all the while I was lying through my teeth. I felt if other Christians could act this way and still pray and go to church that I could do the same. However, the Bible says in Romans in chapter 14 verse 12, every one of us shall give account of himself to God. I knew that no matter how much I justified it in my head, I would never convince God that my sins were okay. Josh had already been struggling with the same things as me, which had put a massive strain on our relationship, as the Lord was no longer in it. However, after a mission one night, God spoke to him, and Josh gave his life back to the Lord. I will forever thank God for this, as Josh then became, began to challenge me as I seen the drastic change that he had made in his life. And this caused me to take a look at my own life and realize how far I'd actually fallen. And so tearfully, one night I handed my life back to the Lord. For one year, I'd gave into the world, and looking back, it's something that I deeply regret. However, I thank God that within a short space of time, he had brought me back to himself. Just before my final exams, I had begun to pray and search for God's will again, and a lot of my prayers were centered around my exams and asking for his guidance and his wisdom, that if medicine were for me, that I would achieve the grades I needed, and if not, that he would make it clear. Leaning up to results day, I felt the Lord telling me that he did not want me to do medicine, and so I think I, ha I already knew that on the day I would not have gotten the grades that I had wanted. On that morning, I opened my results, and after a few tears, I realized I had achieved the highest grades I could possibly get without getting into medicine. And to me, it showed me how much God had looked after me. 
He'd made it clear that medicine is not what he wanted for me in my life, but he had given me the high enough grades that any other course I wanted to do would be available to me. Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. It is only really now that I can look back and see God's hand in my life guiding me to where I am now. I'm currently studying physiotherapy, a course which I had never considered prior to this, but which God has proved time and time again is the course that he always wanted me to study. Since coming back to the Lord, both myself and Josh have faced some difficult times, which without the Lord's help would have seemed impossible. But the Bible says, with God, all things are possible. As I grew closer to God, I knew I had to do my part to tell others about him and what he's done for my life. Shortly after I came back to God, I became a member of our youth committee, a role which a year previous I never would have imagined I would have been in. And I got back to singing for the Lord around various churches, something I had always done growing up, but had stopped when I had drifted away from the Lord. And suddenly everyone could see that the Lord was a massive part of my life again. Moving to university, I knew I wanted to make other people aware that I was a Christian, but I didn't know the best way to do this. I continued to live my life for God and prayed he would use my life as a witness in the way I acted and spoke, and if the situation arose, that I would know the right things to say. However, in 2020, just before I started my course, the pandemic hit, and the majority of my university classes were online. This meant that I didn't have the same opportunities to witness. It was then that I began to become challenged around creating my first gospel CD. I wanted to reach people with the gospel, but I also wanted people to see it on my social media and know that I was serious in my faith and that I wanted to serve the Lord. Since releasing my CD, many of my friends, Christian and non-Christian, have been so supportive, and I continue to pray that it would encourage and witness to those who need it. I knew that I wanted the profits for this project to go to a charity, but I just didn't know which one, as there are so many worthy charities I could have chosen. Around this time, a little boy called Theo Hill had sadly passed away. A little boy that I had never met, but whose death had an incredible impact on me. My dad comes from an incredibly large family, meaning that I do not know them all. However, when my dad had told me about his cousin's son having passed away due to cancer, at only one year old, it had challenged my heart. Little Theo was born on the 7th of September 2020 and died on the 8th of October 2021. He was born in the midst of a pandemic and into a time when the world was kept apart and so he was not well known to many except his closest of family. At around four months old, Theo's parents had begun to realise that he was not very well and after a number of hospital tests and appointments, they were told that he had cancer. Theo then peacefully passed away at exactly one year, one month and one day old. The thing that struck me the most was how my dad described his parents on the night of Theo's wake. He told me how even in this unimaginable heartache, how they radiated the grace of God. After hearing all of this, it became clear that God wanted this CD to not only reach people for, for him, but also to help other little children like Theo and their families. And so I dedicated this CD in Theo's memory with all profits going to the Cancer Fund for Children. I pray that this CD will be only for the glory of Christ and not my own. Looking to the future, I pray the Lord will continue to allow me to use the gifts he has given me for his will. I am forever thankful that I am not a perfect person, but that he is a perfect God. And throughout my life so far, Joshua chapter 1 and verse 5 has held true when God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I pray you all would know Christ as your own personal saviour, 
But for any who have not made that commitment or who have maybe drifted away from him, I'll just leave this with you, that in my short life I have lived with Christ and I have lived without him, and I have found that with him has always been far better. Thank you. On your behalf, I want to thank Amy, not only for ministering to us in song, but for sharing that personal word of testimony. Um, I have fond memories of some of the Hill family down in Tandragee, and our thoughts and prayers have been with them, uh, especially during the death of little Theo. And it was really good to meet up with Amy again, despite the um, COVID pandemic down in Tandragee, and she was very willing, uh, after I got her number, to come and sing and testify when opportunity arose. And we're really delighted to have you tonight. And she's going to minister to us in song just in a little moment. Welcome Josh as well. Uh, Josh McHugh, uh, I know his uh, family very well down also in Tandragee. And we wish them the Lord's blessing as they plan for the future. I've got a copy of that CD here. It's entitled Coming Home. Uh, Amy Hill. It's £10, is that right? And if you would like to get a copy tonight, we have a number in the church. You can see your brother William. You don't have to pay him this evening. Just give him your name and you can give it to him at a different time and we will pass it on. And remember, the proceeds is going to a very worthy cause, um, the, the uh, Children's Cancer Charity. And so many, many children uh, need our thoughts and need our prayers in a variety of situations and especially those that are uh, diagnosed with cancer at a very, very young age. And it must be very traumatic for families and very traumatic uh, for um, the doctors and nurses that are looking after them. Uh, let me just read a few verses from the scriptures and then I'll bring a few announcements that are necessary and then we'll sing an offering hymn and then our sister Amy will minister to us in song and I'll bring a closing word. If you turn to Mark chapter 12, we'll just read from verse 28. Mark chapter 12, verse 28. Let's hear the word of God, reading, of course, in the authorized version. And one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There's none other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said unto him, Well, master, thou hast said the truth, for there is one God, and there is none other but he. And to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love thy neighbor as himself, is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he had answered discreetly, he said unto him, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. And no man after that durst ask him any questions. Amen. We know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of his own precious and infallible word. Amen. Remember the late Dr. Paisley singing and saying that all other rocks were sham rocks. 
Amen. It's good to be on the solid rock. Sister Amy's going to come and minister to us her final piece. Thank you.
thank Amy for these lovely hymns that you sung, and even this last piece, he's always been faithful to me. And it's not a glorious truth because it's written in the book that God is faithful. We'll unite together in a wee word of prayer, and then we'll look to the Lord for his help as we turn to his word this evening. Merciful God, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we thank you for thy presence. We thank you, Lord, for helping Amy tonight, not only to sing, but to testify. We know it hasn't been easy. And even to speak, Lord, of little Theo. And we're glad of the knowledge that he has gone to be with Christ. We pray for his family, and we pray for the continuing strengthening of them at this hour. May they be comforted in the great hope of the gospel that with Christ is far better. And Lord, even though they miss the earthly form, we pray that they'll be comforted in the great hope of the gospel. We pray, Lord, you'll bless Amy and Josh at this time and lead and guide in their lives. Bless all our young people tonight. We thank you for those that have come. Now, Lord, just shut us continually in with thee. And as we turn to thy word, speak to us this evening. Open eye, open ear, and open heart. Use thy word for thy glory. And Lord, as we draw this service to a close, we pray that there might even be one young person that will step forward and say that they will take Christ, whom to know is life eternal. Give enabling grace. Lord, speak by thy powerful voice and work by your Holy Spirit to this end. We plead the blood now to this end, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, my text this evening is from Mark chapter 12 and the verse 34. And my theme tonight I've entitled, Considering a Man Not Far From the kingdom. Now there's four things I want to tell you from this text of scripture. I'm going to do something that preachers shouldn't do and that is dispense with the introduction because that would take at least five or maybe seven minutes to set up. But I want you to know that standing listening to the Lord Jesus having a conversation with a Sadducee was a, a Pharisee. And he had heard the whole thing. And this man perceived in his heart that the Lord Jesus had answered this Sadducee well. In fact, he rejoiced in his heart and mind. It's as if he was saying, I agree. I'm delighted. I too fully am uh, 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 delighted with your answer. It's a good answer. I don't support the Sadducees and their teaching. They don't believe in the resurrection, don't believe in angels, don't believe in a spirit leaving the body at death. Um, so this man then proceeded to ask a question of his own. And the question was this to Christ. Which is the first commandment of all? Now the scribes and Pharisees had 618 commandments that they uh, tried to live out. Now listen to what the Lord Jesus said. Look at chapter 12 of Mark Verse 29, right through to verse 31. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There's none other commandment greater than these. Now look at verse 32. And the scribe said unto him, Well, master, thou hast said the truth, for there is one God, and there's none other but he. 
and to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the soul and with all the strength and to love his neighbor as himself is more than whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And then we read in verse 34, and when Jesus saw that he'd answered discreetly, he said unto him, thou art not far from the kingdom of God. So it was in this context to this Pharisee that the Lord Jesus uttered the words of our text, thou art not far from the kingdom of God. As I've said, four things. I want you to think of the exposition that was manifested. Look at the text, thou art not far from the kingdom of God. Underline the words, the kingdom of God. You see, the kingdom of God was a favorite subject of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember at the start of his ministry, Matthew 4 and 17, from that time, Jesus began to preach. What did he say? Repent ye. Why? For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. If we come to Mark chapter 115, we read the time was fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Now I have a book in the study written by George Ellen Ladd to do with the uh, kingdom of God. And the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God is not a reference to two different places. It's a reference to one kingdom. The words in the Bible, kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, are used interchangeably. It's the same concept, the same truth that's being referenced. And of course, that's determined by the context. If we think of another text to do with the kingdom, Matthew chapter 6 and 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things shall be added unto you. And of course, you see, the word kingdom of God can be a, a euthanism for heaven. It can be a, a euthanism for the eternal everlasting kingdom that the Lord Jesus is going to come and set up on this earth. But it's also a reference to a spiritual kingdom. Because the Bible says, the kingdom of God is within you. And I want you to think of the realm of this kingdom. You see, when we think of a kingdom, we think of a place with physical borders. We think of geographical territory. We, we think of a place that has boundary markers. You're now entering the territory off. The realm of this kingdom is not geographical. It hasn't physical borders and boundary markers. The realm of this kingdom is first and foremost in the hearts of men and women who are born again by the Spirit of God. Remember what the Lord Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. Remember what we read there in the uh, verse um, 3 uh, through to 5. And he said this, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. You see, it's the kingdom of God, as far as our realm is concerned, that finds that realm in the hearts of men and women who are born again of the Holy Spirit. Those individuals have experienced the regenerating power of God's Spirit. They're now alive to God. They're alive to their sin, the soul, and the salvation. Not only think of the realm of the kingdom, but think of the ruler of the kingdom, the kingdom of God. You see, remember, Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God. And every king must, or every kingdom must have a king. It must have a ruler. And the kingdom of heaven's ruler is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. 
And you have to think of the spiritual reign of Jesus Christ in our hearts and lives. George Ellen Ladd talked about a reign of grace now and a reign of glory yet to come. That's how best to understand the kingdom of God. Jesus Christ rules and reigns in the hearts and lives of all who know him and trust him as Lord and Savior. All who have bowed the knee to him. All who have accepted and embraced him as King of kings and Lord of lords. You see, remember Nicodemus knew nothing of this. The night he came to Christ, he, he, he called Christ a teacher. He said, we know you've come from God, for no man can do the miracles that thou dost except God be with him. And what was he told? Except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Except the man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Marvel not that I said unto thee, John 3 and 7, you must be born again. Nicodemus, you're a religious, respectable man. You're a ruler of the synagogue and the Sanhedrin council. But unless, unless you're born again from above, you're, you're not going to see the kingdom of God. You're not going to understand it in your heart and mind. You're not going to experience the kingdom of God. And you're certainly not going to enter the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is a matter of vital importance. And the Lord Jesus said to this Pharisee, this scribe, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. In other words, you're not far from being under the spiritual reign and rule of me as heaven's king. And I have a question tonight, and it's this Is Jesus Christ your Lord and King? Do you know him? Have you received him by faith? Have you been made alive to God through the new birth? Have you felt and saw your need of him? Have you come in simple faith and, and put yourself under the rule and reign of Christ as far as your heart and life is concerned? Is that your top priority? You see, that's what the Savior said. Matthew 6 and 33. Seek ye first what? The kingdom of God. Make the rule and reign of God in your life the number one priority. Make, make, make that a, a reality. Now the question is this. Have you? Do you know him? That's the exposition that was manifested. The kingdom of God. Notice secondly, the enlightenment that was measured. This man, if we were to examine the context believed in the doctrine of the resurrection. The Sadducees didn't. This man believed in one living and true God. This man believed that mankind is made of body and soul. He believed in the first great commandment was to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. And the second was like unto it, that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. In fact, if you look back at Mark chapter 12 and listen to his response to the Savior, he said this to the Savior, is more than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. See, this man had a good grasp and a good understanding of the law of God. He wasn't hostile to Christ. He addressed him as master. He wasn't just a teacher. He called him master. Verse 32. He was impressed by Christ's two answers. Not only to the Sadducee, but even to himself. Master, thou hast said the truth. 
In other words, you've answered well. You see, this man is a Pharisee. He was an expert when it comes to the law and its interpretation. He was well-versed not only in the written law, but he was well-versed in oral tradition. He was a scribe. He gave equal authority to oral tradition as the written law. In fact, in times past, and we have been in the land of Israel, especially in the Jewish Sabbath, and go down to the Wailing Wall, you'll see the Jews there with their, their trolley loads of books. And these are what the rabbis and the ancient fathers have written about the law. And they want to learn. They want to be educated. They want to be taught. This man, I believe, as a scribe and a Pharisee, resembled an Orthodox Jew to this very day. And he could explain with some understanding of the written law. This man had so much knowledge. And yet... As Christ spoke about this spiritual kingdom, this man was not actually in that kingdom. For Jesus said to him, thou art not far from the kingdom of God. But it meant that he wasn't actually in it. He hadn't really seen it, fully understood it, and he hadn't experienced it in his heart and life. He hadn't entered into it. And you see, I've come across people who tell me today, well, I'm no longer an atheist. I've been in church and I've been listening to the, the word of God preached. And they might even go as far as saying, well, now I, I believe in God. And I value the Bible and its teaching. I, I, and I know that, that, that it's right and proper to have an understanding of the law of God. But let me say this. It's possible to have a head knowledge of the word of God without a heart knowledge. You can be so well educated and smart and articulate you could have a title, professor so-and-so. You might even be a, a, a popular clinical psychologist and still not be born again of the Spirit of God, still not have entered into the kingdom of heaven, near it, but not actually in it. You see, here was a, an enlightenment that was measured. This man was religious, but he wasn't regenerate. Northern Ireland is full tonight of religious people. They go to the house of God, and that's proper, because the Bible says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. They hear the word of God read and preached. And these people can give assent, mental assent to those truths. I believe it all. They can recognize the truth for what it is. They can have a regard for the truth. They can spot error and heresy. They can say, but that's not right. You see, this man is a Pharisee. He could say what the Sadducees believed wasn't right. It was wrong. They didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in um, angels. They didn't believe in uh, a spirit world. They didn't believe the soul left the body at death. He knew the Sadducees was all wrong. This man had a degree of enlightenment, a degree of spiritual understanding. But he was still not savingly joined to Christ. He was not one with him. He was enlightened as far as his head was concerned. He could expound upon that. But he hadn't experienced it in his heart. Near, but not in. And there's a difference. The third thing I want to share with you is this. An exhortation that was made. Not only an exposition that was manifest, the kingdom of God. An enlightenment that was measured. But an exhortation that was made. Jesus said to him, if you look again at the text... Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. 
See, I believe the Lord Jesus was making a statement of fact about this man. Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. But when he made this statement, he was wanting this man to go on now from this point and press into the kingdom. If you know there's such a a realm as the kingdom of God and such a ruler as a king of that kingdom, then the truth is, are you a subject and a citizen of that kingdom? Are you under the rulership of that king? He wasn't rebuking him. I don't believe he was scolding him. He was exhorting him. If your understanding of the law is correct, then you're not far from the kingdom. Now, now you're not in it, but you're not far from the kingdom. Turn over there to the book of Galatians. Look at Galatians chapter 3. It says in verse 12, And the law is not a faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. You see, if this man's understanding of the law was correct, he would have recognized, I need a personal obedience to the law. In other words, I must keep the law of God perfectly. And not only a personal obedience, but a perfect obedience. I must be sinlessly perfect. No fault, no blemish, no sin in thought, word, and deed. I, I must uh, obediently um, keep the law perfectly. And I must do it perpetually. I must continue to keep the law perfectly. Now, what did this man say when the Lord Jesus answered his question? First commandment, the second commandment. He said to him, if you think of the text, Thou hast well said, Master. Thou hast said the truth. For there's one God and there's none other but he. And to love him, how? With all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the soul and with all the strength. And to love his neighbor as himself is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now if this man had thought, loving the Lord personally, and perfectly and perpetually with all the heart, soul, mind and strength? What man could say that? What man could say from the moment I have been born as a child until now, at this minute I'm alive, that I have loved God perfectly and sinlessly and perpetually? You see, this man should have realized that the law was actually condemning him. That he was committing a great sin by not fulfilling this obedience to the law personally and perfectly and perpetually. That he was committing a great sin and transgressing the law. Because the Bible says for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And you know tonight people wonder why you need to become a Christian. Why do I need to get saved? Why should I repent and be converted? Here's the simple answer. You, you may not be an murderer or an adulterer or a thief or, or a homosexual tonight. But do you see not loving God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and loving your neighbor as you love yourself? That's a great sin in the eyes of God. You're actually breaking God's law and sin's the transgression of the law. I know that we could understand that. You see, this man acknowledged that there's one living and true God. He acknowledged there's a resurrection, acknowledged there's a spirit world. 
He believed the spirits of just men made perfect. He acknowledged that there's a world of angels. He acknowledged there's such a thing as the law of God. And here's a summary of it. Love to God with all heart, soul, mind and strength. Loving your neighbor as yourself with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And yet one thing was missing. This man had failed to see that he was a great sinner. And failed to see that before him was the great saviour. He failed to see that he needed to trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Redeemer. He needed to be able to say, I have entered the kingdom. I have seen it. I understand it now. I've been born of the Spirit. I'm alive to God. I've been joined to Christ. See, here's a man who doesn't know he's a sinner. And he doesn't know he needs a saviour. See, this was a religious man. He was a Pharisee. This man believed he was righteous by his own effort, his own law-keeping. He felt I'm good enough because I'm religious, because I'm respectable. I'm trying my best to keep the law of God. Now, while he had an understanding of the law, he hadn't a full and proper understanding of the law because he should have realized I can't fulfill it in my own strength or power. He should have realized I have transgressed and broken this law. I'm a guilty sinner. It's impossible for human beings in their own strength and power to, to conform to this. You see, in Galatians 3 and 24, we read the law as our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. And one of the purposes of the law was to show us our sin. And to show us how much we need Christ, the only saviour of sinners. How can you be right with God? How can you be legally declared justified in the sight of God? And here's this man and he's been pressed by Christ. I believe he's exhorting him. There's an exhortation being made here. He's been pressed on. Go ahead and take the next logical step. Take the step of faith. Experience the power of the Spirit. Don't depend on your understanding of the law alone. Even though this man called him master, other Pharisees wouldn't have agreed with that. They called Christ bad names. For example, they said he has a devil. They called him Beelzebub. They called him the friend of publicans and sinners. But this man, no, he calls him master. He says, thou hast said the truth. So the Lord Jesus presses this exhortation onto him. You're almost in the kingdom. But not altogether. You're, you're near, but you're not in it. And you know, it's a wonderful thing to acknowledge that Christ is a teacher. And Christ is a prophet. And Christ is a great man. But how many in the religious community of Northern Ireland acknowledge all that? But he's not their Lord and King. He's not their Savior. You see, I believe this was a very pressing personal exhortation. An exhortation that was made. Thou art not far from the kingdom. Not just an exposition of what the kingdom is. And we could have teased that out in a fuller sermon. Not just a, an enlightenment that could be measured because the man had religious conviction, he had an understanding of the law, but even that wasn't full and complete. And then this exhortation is made Thou art not far from the kingdom. Now, one final thing tonight an entering that was missed. We could say this man was near, but yet so far. If you look at the scriptures, it says here, in verse 34, 
And no man after that durst ask him any questions. Now, isn't that interesting? You see, I believe it includes this man. We have no record of him pressing on and entering into the kingdom. There's nothing in the book. The conversation seems to finish abruptly. No man asked him any more questions. Did it include the scribe, the Pharisee? He didn't say, Master, what do I need to do now? If I'm not that far from the kingdom, please tell me what I have to do to enter into the kingdom. But he didn't. See, there was an entering that was missed. Did he not recognize that he was a sinner? Could, could he not see it? That, that he was committing a great sin because he actually didn't love the Lord with all his heart, soul, mind and strength. Even though he made a boast of it and claimed that it was the right thing to do. He couldn't do it in his own strength or power because he had a bias towards God. Did he not repudiate his sin? Did he not repent of it? Did he not receive Christ as Lord and Saviour? See, remember this as we finish. Judas Iscariot kissed the door of heaven. Jesus Christ himself. And went to his own place. Judas Iscariot seen the miracles. Judas Iscariot heard the powerful preaching. Sermon on the Mount and many others. Judas Iscariot was one of the twelve involved in the ministry. Seen wonderful things happen in the name of the Lord. Judas Iscariot called him Master. And yet, he died in his sins and went to hell. You think of King Agrippa. We preached in him a few weeks ago. Almost I persuade us me to be a Christian. But not altogether. And how many free Presbyterians and beyond the free Presbyterian church have come up in Christian homes. They were taught the word of God in Sunday school and Bible class. They attended the house of God. They sat where you sat. Somebody gave them a tract. Maybe even give out tracts themselves. They stood like Amy to testify. They have trials in their lives. And yet tonight, where are they? In relation to the kingdom of God. Maybe they just have an empty outward profession. But they haven't truly entered into Christ. They don't possess him. He's not their king and lord of their life. You see, what we need is we think about the law of God. We need one to render obedience to the condemnation of the law. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. And the law condemns us as worthy of death. Because the, the, the sin is the transgression of the law. And we need one to render obedience to its curse. Because the law curses us. And we need one to render obedience to the law's code. To keep it perfectly. Who could keep it perfectly? Nobody can, preacher. You're absolutely right. But the Lord Jesus came. And he rendered perfect obedience to its code. He said, which of you convinceth me of sin? He's the sinless, spotless son of God. He did no sin. He knew no sin. In him was no sin. And he bore the curse of the law, for it's written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. How? Being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. And the Lord Jesus delivers us from the condemnation of the law, which is eternal death. 
In other words, your only hope of heaven, your only hope of being part of that eternal everlasting kingdom that Christ is coming to set up, the kingdom of glory that's yet to be revealed, is experiencing the kingdom of grace now. And the only way that you can enter that kingdom is have the spiritual reign and rule of Christ in your heart and life. Let me tell you this as we finish. Our time's gone. There was a mission one time, a certain part of Northern Ireland, and the mission was being held in a very wealthy man's ground. And every night he attended the mission. But this man wasn't a true believer. He hadn't yet trusted Christ as Lord and Saviour. And on the final night of the mission, he stood up and he said this. The folks were there, large crowd. Who doth commit himself to Christ among you? Who does say I will to Christ tonight? Of course, everybody thought he was mad. This is after the preacher had said amen. He just stood up. And he said, I want it to be known that I will. And he received Christ that night, the last night of the mission. And there's rejoicing in that community. What about you tonight? You've heard Amy's testimony. The times of being cold and backslidden. Maybe that's a picture of you. Or maybe you're going through trials right now. And you're wondering how you're going to cope. And your trial passes in the insignificant in the death of a precious little boy in a family circle that's taken home because of cancer. You're wondering how you'll cope. Well, if you have Christ, you can smile at the storm. If you have Christ, you've got the hope of glory. Do you know Christ? Will you say tonight, I'll take him. I'll trust him. I'll testify for him. An entering that was missed. Thou art not far from the kingdom. Don't miss the kingdom. Come to faith in Christ.